the incomparable. Number 402. April 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, as always. And we are going to talk about a TV show. It is the season where we talk occasionally about just-concluded TV series that are worth talking about. And for this time, we're going to talk about a show called Counterpart, which is available in the U.S. on Stars. It is available in many parts of the world on various channels. I think it's in a lot of Europe on HBO. It's not in the UK yet. We don't know why. Hopefully it will come there soon. Um, it's it's great. I love it. There's the spoiler alert. I really love it. And so I wanted to talk about it with my friends on a podcast. And that's what you're listening to right now. That's the that's the that's the, the, how that story ends up. I just uh, jumped to the end. In the end, he liked it so much he did a podcast about it. Let me tell you about my dear friends who are here with me now to talk about Counterpart. John Syracuse is here. Hello. Which one are you? I'm. I'm. I. I, I'm not going to reveal whether I'm wearing the brown suit or the black suit. I'll just let you imagine that. Dan Morin is also here. Hello. Hello. Uh, Only one person goes through the podcast at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the rules. That's how it works. That's how the internet works. Moises Chuyan is here. Hello. The schnapps is better on our side. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, the German. Oh, there's so much German in this show. And Eric Ansign is here from across the the border crossing in Canada. Hello. <laughs> yep. I've done the border crossing. Luckily, I didn't have to go alone. Mm. So let, let me explain. Oh, boy. Let me explain Counterpart. I will happily let you explain. Yes, I will. Well, we will talk about Counterpart a little bit. And we're going to. And so I'm going to say up front, there is a fundamental thing in the premise of the show that I imagine would be amazing if you didn't know it was going to happen. And and, And it's revealed in the first 10 minutes of the show. And it was in all the trailers. But if you're somebody who has heard us say, wow, the incomparable cared enough to do an episode about the show, I should go seek it out. And I don't want to know anything about it. Go now. I will tell you, go now. Because I'm going to tell you uh, the basic premise of the show, and then we'll talk about it for a little while, as is our tradition, and then we'll blow the spoiler horn and talk about sort of where it ended up at the end of the season and some of the revelations as the story went along. You would say this this is the pre-spoiler horn spoiler horn. Yeah, this is, this is <laughs> if you wish to go completely unspoiled, um, I, I, I think you need to go now, because there's something fundamental in the premise that, although revealed in episode one, is pretty cool if you know nothing about it. So if you're just going to take our word for it and go see seek it out, then uh, you could stop and come back later. But I will tell you now, Counterpart is a show about a guy named Howard Silk, who's played by J.K. Simmons, excellent actor. Um, He is working in a bureaucratic building in Berlin, and um, at some point, and, and he's been there for a long time, uh, he tries for a promotion and is told basically, no, 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 you're, you're in Interface. It's this very mysterious gray building with people. He's a, sort of a man in a gray suit who does this weird job and you don't really understand what he's doing. And what it's revealed uh, is that suddenly he's brought into a room uh, with a guy with a bag over his head who is who, the bag the, you know, is taken off and it's revealed that it's him. He's looking at himself. And this is the premise of the show, which is this building, this nondescript building is actually on a border crossing between parallel 
Earths that split from one another when East German scientists at the end of the Cold War did an experiment and they opened this portal. And at that point, the two planets were identical. But since then, they have diverged. And this is where information and people can cross back and forth. And um, all of this to say the Berlin setting is not an accident because this show's basically a Cold War spy show with the difference being that instead of it being Iron Curtain, Soviet side, American side, instead you've got uh, the these two parallel worlds, but it's still more about spycraft with the addition of all the character drama that happens when you're able to ponder the road not taken, because, of course, many of these characters have counterparts, which is the name <gasps> I ju- I just got of the show. Whoa. Although they're referred to as the your other in the in the show's yeah, I, context. I like that. The show's called Counterpart, but they never say uh, your counterpart. <laughs> Yeah, without I, without spoiling anything, one of the things that I liked about this first season is is how long they they waited before explicitly telling us uh, some of the major differences between the two sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like Fringe also where just getting into it up front where where uh, Fringe has a lot of like uh, establishing shots where it's like now everything is tinted gold and the World Trade Center is still standing and so now we're in universe and B. And then yeah, and there are blimps, there are zeppelins, of course there, there, there is are. A subtle color they do color shifts it, it is it is cooler them. in in the and they, the, the way the producers refer to it as alpha and prime which reminds me of that uh that futurama joke where fine fine you can be universe a we'll be universe one right it's like yeah. that there's alpha and prime because everybody wants to be number one i guess but yeah it's a little more blue shifted and the other one that we get the impression is has has had a very different world whereas the one that we start in is apparently essentially our world in terms of current events and things like that that other world has had a plague they had a, a big loss of life in a in a big like a mega flu outbreak and there and uh therefore they have a different kind of society we don't even know how different but that world has changed a lot they do have funky buildings there are mm-hmm. some funky buildings in the background funky buildings no smartphones and prince mm. is still alive these are things we yep. know <laughs> yeah in a heartbreaking moment where somebody tries to smuggle the latest Prince CD across the border. <laughs> I like that he's smuggling a CD. They still have CDs. Well, yeah, that's often. right. Their technology is, they, they mentioned at one point their technology is a little bit behind, like that they haven't been able to figure out certain things. They, they look at, at smartphones with, with adoration and envy. Well, yeah, there's that mm-hmm. moment where um, somebody, they're having, um, they're having lunch with people on the other side and somebody checks their phone and then lays it on the table and everybody from the other side is like staring at it and they're like oh yeah i gotta put it in my pocket again which also gets across the fact that even the smallest amounts of information are considered like super valuable and these sides don't trust each other enough to to like give even the barest scrap of information about what life is like on their side which is right there's like a whole thing about negotiating over like census data yeah um population information and we don't really know why there's a suggestion that things are tense because of this plague that happened although it seems like you know at no point did anybody reveal to the world that there was a parallel a portal to a parallel earth um because of perhaps fear of everybody being like freaked out that there was a duplicate (laughs) of themselves on the other side but it's kind of not explained i suspect that that's baked into the premise of the show and that it's going to continue to parcel out that information kind of at a later date this is a show also i should say that was initially purchased for two seasons which means that season one was constructed knowing there would be a second season so they definitely i think were willing to hold things back but 
I like the fact that we, as we go, it, we only very slowly learn the divergence um, from, you know, the first yeah. world to the second world. We also world. get it filtered through people, right? Like there are characters who have opinions about why or how certain things went down, but we aren't given a concrete, like, objective this is what happened. We are only given theories and, in some cases, things that feel like they verge on conspiracy theories. Right. So, yeah, we our information, our information as well is incomplete. And same with all the characters in the show. Like, you know, one right. side may yeah. suspect the other. Uh, the other side also doesn't know whether they did it. Like, so it's, it's almost as if nobody, you know, so on the plague issue, right? One side thinks, right. oh, you sent that plague. And the other side is like, did we send that plague? <laughs> well, I don't think we sent that. Would we have sent a plague? It doesn't seem like something we would do. I didn't do it. Did you send a plague? Yeah. Which one of us would have been responsible for sending a plague? Do you really think that we would have done that or could have done that? And, and you end up with it. Well, maybe you guys did it or maybe it just happened and you blamed it on us because you didn't want to take right, responsibility. Right. And nobody and nobody who knows is among the set of characters that we're watching right, here. Yeah. And, and what we're watching is the people on the first three floors of this building that is the the um, Office of Interchange, which is this U.N. organization that is secretly this structure for dealing with a border that nobody else in the world knows exists, which is a border between two copies of the Earth. And our, our main character, J.K. Simmons, plays Howard Silk, um, I, you know, a lot, a lot of praise, rightly so, for Tatiana Maslany playing like five characters in Orphan Black. I, I'm reminded of that performance here. J.K. Simmons, who is a an outstanding actor, he is playing two versions of himself throughout this show. We meet the first Howard very quickly. We meet the second, and for the rest of the show, the show basically is following both Howards as they move around and do stuff in these worlds. And I, I, I just wanted to say how amazing i thought his performance is because yeah. you can you can tell which how or at least yes. i'll say i can mm-hmm. tell which howard it is before he says anything like yes they are the distinct bo- the body language people is yeah amazing and he is really good just the way he holds his face yeah his big his face. he's got all this he's got all this brumpley old person face to work with he like molds it like just sitting there like how he sits you can just before he opens his mouth before he does anything yes his posture but also his big smushy face of like Mm -hmm. and seeing the long form progression of both versions of howard as we go through the season where you see just how much or just how little being uh being in the shoes of the other one is changing them or or can change them or might affect them and and so i wouldn't say that it gets harder to to delineate the two of them uh, as to as to who you're actually watching but you you see you see subtle shifts that are almost imperceptible but especially if you rewatch any part of the season you just you you can't miss the incredible precision that he's putting into this mm-hmm. yeah and i was going to say like you you mentioned orphan black um but and that's a, it's a wonderful performance on orphan black but she's playing five six however many different characters this is not playing different characters this is so much more subtle than that because yeah. this is the same character who lived the same life up until 30 years ago and then things diverged in ways that we only start to sort of learn about as the show goes on so it's it is fundamentally the same person it's it's howard it's howard silk but it's a different howard silk and yeah like you guys said it's it's i would sometimes have trouble determining actually i wouldn't say trouble i would say it was my favorite game was every time the scene would shift 
I would be like, ooh, where are we now? Which <laughs> side are we on now? Which characters are we looking at? And if it was a, if it was a scene that had Howard in it, that made it so much more easy. Like that was like the, the, the get out of jail free card to be like, oh, okay, it's this Howard or it's that Howard. But if he's not in the scene uh, and I don't see the twisty buildings in the background, mm-hmm. then it may take me a moment to figure out who it is or what's going on. And they don't they don't make it easy for you either. Like I know my, my parents, when they watch television, have very a lot of difficulty telling which character is which because like they all just look the same to them. And that would not be helpful on a show like this. But in the beginning, <laughs> they color code them. Right. Bad Howard is wears dark clothes. Good Howard yes. wears light clothes. But very quickly, they, of Great course, term. have to swap that. Yeah, because good Howard has to go be bad Howard and bad Howard. So they go immediately to the level of difficulty of like the orphan black thing of like, OK, you're going to pretend to be me pretending to be you like it's they've already gotten to the second uh level of layering they're probably in season two they'll probably go one more level on top of that so you have to watch happy howard trying to be mean howard and he's wearing mean howard's clothes but he's still it, it's very confusing um but <laughs> it, the the performance and you know if you're paying attention it's all there but the performance uh really does help if you're tuned into that if you have difficulty telling the difference between two leading yeah. men in Which any television this? show yeah. you are going to have real difficulty with the show because it's literally the same actor yeah the 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 i think that's an interesting point too about their switching the switching places thing i mean like it's interesting the way they approach that because you have as you said uh you know howard alpha gets thrown into howard prime shoes and he's trying to struggle and try to like adapt to how is this guy who is very unlike me you know how does he behave how does he interact with people and he's really thrown into the deep end because he he isn't briefed on that basically at all and then meanwhile you have howard prime and howard alpha shoes and he should be acting sort of you know meek and <laughs> but he, he's he's not interested in that because he's he mean does howard. not even bother <laughs> yeah. yeah which i love like, i love that's the difference sure between these guys. i'm mean howard i'm gonna be myself deal with it yeah, you, even even you guys saying Alpha and Prime, I'm already confused as to which one is which. Yeah, <laughs> I had to yeah. think it's, about it. it. It's, 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 it's just a you know mean Howard and nice Howard. That's it. The key moment okay. I think is they had that scene. I think it's in the pilot. It might be in episode two where they talk about the divergence because he says, you know, when I when I was a kid, I did this thing. And he says, yeah, I did too because that yep. was before mm-hmm. the divergence. And then he says, boy, you know, one thing happens and everything goes wrong. Mean Howard says, and Good Howard says or right and it's that moment where it's like (laughs) he feels offended all right uh, i could be right i could be the good one and this is the well and the thing is like one of them is a a much more successful person mean dark howard is a much more successful person he's gotten the job he got the job a long time ago that howard has constantly gotten rejected he has a more successful career he's not a more successful person well that's what i mean He's, he's successful in his career Howard seems to be a more successful human being, like the well, good seem, Howard. Nice seems Howard. To be, seems to is key. Seems, <laughs> seems to. Seems to. You know, everybody's complicated, though. And this is, I think, one of the nice things about this show is the show has an opinion and the show's opinion is not just oh but for that moment that i made that fateful decision and led led me down a path where i became a completely different person right which is which is an interesting point the the show one of the things i love about the show is that it takes a science fictional premise and uses it to explore human beings and you know how we live our lives and who we are because with the science fictional premise you can see what happened when somebody took made different decisions than you but the show goes further than that right the show posits with Howard having to switch roles with his 
other for spy reasons, which we haven't even gotten to. There are spy reasons why there's conspiracies and things that are being investigated. And, and basically, Dark Howard needs to spend time on our side. So Light Howard has to go back to the other side, pretending to be Dark Howard so that a dark, a real Dark Howard can do spy stuff. Um, but the show is bold enough to say... When you walk in the other person's shoes, you realize you're actually not that different. Like, We're not so different, uh, you and I. I know, that's right. Well, it's you and you <laughs> and also you. Um, and me, you and me and me and I. Wait, yeah. what? Uh, and I think that's really uh, a, a smart, clever thing Moises alluded to it that this show does, which is, which is say, the more time that the Howards spend in the other one's shoes, there are aspects of their lives that they start to realize, you know, I wouldn't even say it's as simple as they start to become like the other one, because that's not entirely true. Um, Howard, our Howard, goes to the other side and finds out that on that side, they, uh, he and his wife had a daughter, which they did not have. They lost the baby on their side. And he does, he does more in a day to establish connection with his family than the other Howard has done in all of that time. So they're not the same person, but I I like how they say, you know, it's not just you, it's also the world around you that changes you. And this show does that. It's bold enough to do that. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Simple Contacts. You know, it's pretty great when an app takes a really annoying, tiresome task and makes it easy. And Simple Contacts does this. What does it do? It's the easy way for you to renew your contact lens prescription and order new lenses. You can reorder your contacts from anywhere, as long as you've got your mobile device with you, in just minutes. You complete their online self-guided vision test. takes less than five minutes from wherever you are right now. You don't have to go into the doctor's office. You don't have to wait around just to get a new set of your contact lenses. You can order your favorite brands right from the website or app. Simple Contacts offers all of the different lens brands you love. They have all the options, astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. You can order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand, wherever you want. The vision test is $20, just for comparison. An appointment without insurance could cost you over $200. Simple Contacts can save you money and time. Now, Simple Contacts is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts will check that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and will renew your lenses based on that prescription. They're not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health. This is about getting a new set of your existing contact lenses. I use Simple Contacts on my phone. Super easy to do. They had my contact lens brand, which I was really surprised by because it is a a larger focal uh, width than you usually have. And it's got an astigmatism correction in it. There's lots of weird things with my eyes. And they had them. I just put in the number and they're like, yeah, we got that. And we've got your prescription. It was not a problem. And if anything, red flags, if they say, oh, well, you've got this issue, they send you to your doctor. They say, you need to not do this. You need to go back to your doctor if you have anything that needs to be checked out. As a listener, to The Incomparable, you can save $30 off your contact lenses. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash Snell or use code Snell at checkout for 30% off. Thank you to Simple Contacts for supporting The Incomparable. The emotional convergence happens in shades of gray. It's not immediate or instantaneous in terms of the the two of them uh, approaching uh, parts of the other's emotional availability that they just have not had that has not been a part of their personality. And that's 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 that subtlety and 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 where I started to see it happen was where 
the easy choice would have been in the scripting and in the acting to uh, to very easily jump to, oh, this is this Howard learning how this Howard feels this feel. And this is how this Howard learns how to feel this feel of the other Howard. And they don't they don't remotely go for any of the easy answers or paths through these two individuals stay very distinct and they start uh, they, they drift toward one another but not in simple or easy ways, which is sounds like the most complex, baffling thing to say. So I feel bad for anybody who hasn't watched the show <laughs> because I, I think that that gobbledygook only makes sense uh, or even a little bit of sense um, to people who have. Well, the pitch of the show is that they're not like they, they hammer on it a lot. They're not actually different. Like that's that's the key, right? It's not as if like I'm becoming more like you and you're becoming more like me. It's, the, the key is we have always been the same person mm. underneath, especially for, for adults like and, and I mostly buy this that like. By the time you're that age, the world diverged when they were already adults. You're not really going to change that much. Your circumstances, may, it's almost like they're in a certain mood. Like he's been in a foul mood because <laughs> his, his uh, planet is terrible. But like, like not, quote unquote, nice Howard, uh, um, you learn that his his life was not as, uh, his marriage and his life was not as perfect as it seemed to be in episodes like one and two. Like, oh, there's the mean Howard. He screwed up his life. And this Howard had a loving wife and a, and a perfect family. Same thing with the two Emilys. One unconscious, one not. They seem so very different. They're not, they're not that different. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's, that's his, his wife, who I should mention just because we did, we haven't mentioned it so far. In, in our world, How, Howard's wife is in a coma because she was hit by a car and we see him and he's going to the hospital and bringing her flowers and all of those things and reading to her. And when we meet the other Howard, he says, Oh, well, my Emily died of cancer a long time ago. Um, but the truth is, no, she's, she's alive. We see that at the end of the first episode. She is alive and well and playing the spy game just as hard as Howard is. Is. And, and just as hard as the other Emily was, which uh, <laughs> Howard kind of knew, and but was yeah. willing to just choke it down. That's exactly. a very different life. It painted out the life. You're unsuccessful at your job, and you and you grudgingly sort of uh, learn to live with the fact that your wife is lying to you and cheating on you. That's not great. What's What's interesting to me about this aspect of it is that we've talked a lot about Simmons' dual performance. Um, we see Emily, as we just mentioned, that there are two of them. But since Emily from Nice Howard's world is in a coma, we don't really see much interaction with her. And as a result, kind of Howard is the only person that we mm -hmm. actually really get a picture of on both sides. We get fleeting pictures of some other people, uh, you know, sort of more minor characters. But none of our other major characters... Uh, we never see their others, uh, which is an interesting choice as well, because, again, coming from something like Fringe, where some of the delight in that series was about like, oh, let's see the other version of this person and how different they are from our, you know, our version. We don't really get that here as much. And I, I think that's an interesting choice. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how they handle that going into season two, uh, because I think, you know, there is some an element of that that, you know, we are exploring very much through the lens of Howard, but might be interesting if it, if it gets broader than that. Well, they're doing a lot of other killing on the show, so that's maybe the reason yeah. why you also don't see true. a lot of others. Is <laughs> anytime one of them appears, one of them kills the other one pretty quickly. Well, we get illusions too, right? Like Aldrich, uh, who right. I want to talk about at some point, oh, who is yeah. fantastic. He I has love a that whole, character so much. A whole conversation about his other uh, and the sort of relationship they had. Sort of, yeah. I I, <laughs> I think an interesting interesting that we we get that perspective of it, but really only one side of it. Dan bringing up season two uh, brings me back to Jason mentioning, you know, the show was picked up as a one season, two season show right from the beginning. And one of the things that also in the in the, you know, 50,000 feet view sense that I like about it is 
I feel like if all they do is two seasons, there is a complete story that I'm going to get by the end of season two. There is some season one finale stuff that feels like, okay, we need to end the season here, but that doesn't feel like it's needlessly decompressing things. And, and I feel, I feel like we, we are not having any of our time wasted at all so far. And I have no reason to believe that we can expect them to, you know, cool their heels and go, well, we're good. We did well. We did fine. And, and give us anything like that in season two. Um, and uh, bringing up, uh, Aldrich that, um, the, the way that I delineate the two earths is there's, there's, there's first world and uh, there's first earth and second earth. First earth is the first one that we see where nice Howard is. And second earth is, is where mean Howard is from. Um, and I've been wondering, and maybe my memory is failing me, but we haven't seen first earth Aldrich, have we? No, yeah, that's the only we only see only see first, 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 first Earth Aldrich, first he, and he says he Earth, said, yeah, that's right. he says that his his other was driven mad basically, and that he he participated in it because he seems to have gotten his what like his wife or his girlfriend and her other, and they now li- go live they now they live together. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. very like me that I introduce terminology and then I confuse myself yeah. about it. It's like siblings, right? So some yeah. siblings like care for each other and empathize with each other, whatever, and other siblings are competitive. Want to kill and he was competitive. It, it both were spy masters and he was and he was like i'm going to be the best one he basically and he basically won the spy game with his other one he felt bad when he had to kill him at the end you know <laughs> to, kill, kill his the love interest that he sent or whatever but he's like what else could i do i can't you know if word got out that my other was so easily manipulated they'd be like but that's the, the same person as you so you're fired I wanted to mention, um, so we mentioned Olivia Williams is Emily, a really interesting character who is in fleetingly in the pilot, but um, is uh, in the rest of the show a lot on the other side, on the second world in Moises's terminology. I had to say, I knew that, like, I felt like that coming, right? Because I'm like, you don't cast Olivia Williams to have her lie in a coma, in a coma. for the entire season. That's ridiculous. Exactly <laughs> right. But this that's the brilliance of the show is they can have her lying in a coma and have her be upright and uh, moving around on the other side which also because we, we were told that she died shows you that not everything that that uh second howard tells us is true um, or so, perhaps nothing that he tells you well, and, perhaps and we haven't we haven't seen second earth uh emily's boss uh played by kenneth Choi in first earth yet either at right. least there, that i know there's of. this uh, and and there's a question about like since so many more people died in the second world that it may be that you know it's it's not like the mirror survive. universe in star trek where the, everybody's yeah. got a double i think the impression here is that there are different people a lot of the di- people are different on the other side because the, the they're they're uh, like richard schiff for example from the west wing who plays a uh, an important character he's the director of diplomacy on first earth we see in a later episode that i'm not going to detail quite yet because we'll fire off the spoiler horn but we see that he died of in the plague on the other world and i imagine a lot of staff members didn't make it and that's why the staff is different on the other side well and they also mentioned i mean i think specifically according to wikipedia anyways who, who knows that that his job is the same as peter quails on on uh, first earth so you will have all these people like as as jason pointed out having the plague means we have a very different pool of people to pull from so you probably explains why there are fewer versions where we have both to you know the same person involved on both sides well and even even departments that are named the same on each side do different things right because they're not because they are they're you know they're different uh to a certain degree anyway we mentioned peter quayle so harry lloyd uh Gotta who's love been, harry been lloyd. a lot of stuff he's peter quayle we, we he's introduced at the beginning he's a key character fascinating character um kind of hate him do you need a, someone to play a, a sniveling kind of morally compromised character <laughs> harry lloyd is your man yep <laughs> the kind of he's person who is easily summed up as 
I dare say. <laughs> yeah. Yep, he is. He is. Uh, he's got the job. You get the impression he's got the job because his father-in-law, the aforementioned Richard Schiff, kind of got him the job. He is unpleasant to be around. He's he tries to pull rank. On, he cheats on his wife. He, oh, yeah. We see that very early on. He's cheating on his wife. He's got various prostitutes and things like that. Um, he is not necessarily good at his job. I think we see that pretty pretty early on. And, um, and, and yeah, he and, and Aldrich, uh, I think, is sort of dismissive to him, but he realizes that he's a necessary evil. But Aldrich seems to be the one who actually is doing all the work in terms of spycraft and having people shot or protecting people from being shot or things like that and uh and yet he's one of our key characters so you know through harry lloyd we get to see other aspects of this world and and you know but he's he's just yeah he's he's not to be trusted and not necessarily good at what he's doing and he's kind of sniveling and uh it's fascinating it's it's fascinating i enjoyed watching him sometimes those characters really oh, turn yeah. me off but i really enjoyed that character because he's so compromised in so many different he ways deeper and deeper as the whole season goes and just you realizing like even he can realize how over his head everything has gotten right Mm -hmm. like and and that watching him try to get out of that is is fascinating I found him sort of a great point of view character because a lot of this is, you know, deep, twisty spycraft, and I don't know what's going on. And he, he very clearly, he <laughs> yeah. has no idea what's happening around him. He's just being led around like a little, like a cute little puppy and just sort of like going from place to place, from meeting to meeting, not having any idea what's happening until after the fact. And that's exactly how I felt. So by the end of, by the end of the season, I was like, I was totally on board with his character because he was me. It's useful I to have him around. A state of affairs he has a certain like ability to him though yeah like, sure i mean like, he's, he's not charm. he's not How the could he character not? that you love to hate because he, you feel you seem that he like he mostly means well but he he shouldn't mm-hmm. have this job first yeah. of all that's clear right yeah. and but he kind of knows he shouldn't have it and he's trying to do a good job he's just inexperienced and yeah he's not the, the greatest person but it, he doesn't seem like he, ha- he has a likability that made me uh it, not be annoyed by watching him like oh i can't wait for this guy to die i was mostly rooting for him which is which makes the end of the season you know all all the more you know hard to to deal with right when push comes to shove well he he has he has a narrative arc that feels like uh scorsese's after hours stretched to the length of a season of television (laughs) where just you know I, i i hate him at first but he is going through such a horrendous series of sequential events that i i i cannot help but not like him, but hate him less as the season progresses, because if I were in his position, I don't know what I would do. And I think it, it becomes rather apparent that it wouldn't necessarily matter what I would do. Yeah. Or, or, the, or the, he could have he could have taken the easy way out. Like, that's the thing we didn't like him. He could have just said, well, whatever. I just got this job because of my father-in-law. And the easy way out is I don't care about anything. This, you see that character a lot where it's like, whatever. I don't care about your concerns, whatever main character of the show. I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. But he does care. He tries to do his job he tries to say mm-hmm. okay we only know about this and we're going to solve this problem and he, he's not equipped to do that but but he he could have taken the easy way out and he didn't he's a very bad director of strategy let's just put it that way like that is the wrong yeah. job for him <laughs> to be the director of not strategy the person you want directing your strategy or any strategy 
or even playing Stratego. A character who feels very much in the first episode like a one-off character who ends up being... And, and I, I read an article that said, originally the plan was to kill her off after a few episodes. And the the um, the way the story goes, the women in the writer's room said, no, 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 no. We're going to keep her the whole season. Is Baldwin, the assassin. Yeah. Thank goodness. And, and, yeah, and so... So great. So Baldwin is an assassin sent from the other side to our side. Uh, we we see her. She's got like a wig on. She kills a bunch of people in the cold open before the show even starts. And she's got, uh, she, before she comes over to the other side, she kills like a whole bunch of cops. And then she crosses over to the other side. She's been, a, uh, she, she tries to kill Emily Silk in the, ho- in the hospital on our side and is and is uh wounded but gets away and then for the rest of the season we see her uh interacting with other people she she is very much tied into the spy craft spy craft aspect she has been sent here on a mission by a shadowy group to uh, assassinate people and to affect the you know the, the deaths of people on our side um but but one of the more fascinating things that happens is she seeks out her other so that was a good opportunity for the show to explore somebody somebody and their other and they share of course a a horrible traumatic childhood um but while Baldwin is a an assassin uh the other Nadia but by her real name is a uh, is a classical musician who plays in a symphony and is seemingly successful, although still has a lot of issues. And uh, she gets her other in a situation where she is killed. It's the thing to do. Howard Howard tries to stop it, a uh, good Howard, and it does not work out. And then she kind of goes from there. She is she is in she is invested in saving her because I feel like she she views it as like the the innocent version of herself right 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 innocent but the one like how did you do it how did you come back from that right yeah but like there's a there's like almost like a part of her has been like kept safe from the thing that you know not not ending up as an assassin so yeah there's interesting i think it is an interesting dynamic there the thing broadly that i liked so much about the character is that in so many other shows so many other movies this character is a guy Mm -hmm. a straight guy uh, with female, uh, you know, romantic, uh, love interests and they're just, uh, they're just a scarred, damaged, you know, man living a hard life, killing people. And it isn't, it isn't something that feels like a stunt so much as this is just character with a, with a fully lived, uh, experience backstory and this is who they are and they have lived a very tough life in a very tough place. And, uh, they, they are just getting their first breath of fresh air of a world where there are possibilities that hasn't been ravaged by a plague. And just, just their curiosity ends up, uh, you know, causing all kinds of havoc for, for their other, uh, leading to the death, as well as just, just plain not, not working out terribly well and just continuing to make them feel like everything they touch is going to be a disaster. Um, I just particularly liked that it it wasn't, it wasn't in any way, uh, showy sort of a thing. It was a just, th- this is the character and this is who they are. Um, not to, you know, score, score quota points or anything like that. Just really well-written, really, really thoroughly, uh, and, uh, textured. And I'm so glad that the women in the writer's room yeah. were like, nope. Nope, she's not going anywhere. She's awesome. Uh, we are not getting rid of her because that, I mean, that in and of itself is a trope, is an interesting, complex female character that just has to die. She 
provides her own counterpart huh? Huh? to Howard in that she also has this I- issue with, with the road not taken and the shared past and her other gets killed, but she's in our world and she's trying to sort of decide what kind of life she wants to live and the, our world is kind of changing her or is it? There's a question. She's still sent out on missions to kill people, but she's also like, she strikes up a conversation with a, uh, is it a barista? Is that what she is, yeah. I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's yeah. not a bartender. She's a barista. She's, she's looking for love in all the wrong places. Is this assassin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true, and and well, yeah, because there's there's another character that she also has uh, has mm-hmm. has sex with, and then almost gets killed herself because they're going to counter assassinate her. It's a whole there's spycraft is she, what we're saying. And she has major trust issues, and she they're, they're well founded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she puts a gun under her bed it's not paranoia no. but but a great character and a great performance and uh, I was surprised because yeah in the pilot she sort of reads as a one-off uh you know spectacular uh assassin who's going to come in and and be fought off and that'll be that and instead she has a fascinating journey in our world she gets shot in the face in the yeah, first I, episode I, I, spent the whole, I spent the whole season just looking at the side of her mouth yep. going, when is that gonna heal that yeah, looks terrible that's, that. that's really terrible. that's gotta really hurt every time she eats every time she opens her mouth it's it's kind of like the cut in the the shape big shaving cut in fargo you know where, where uh, buscemi's got the big cut on his cheek it's the same type of thing like ooh, that's gotta hurt i think that's why they didn't intend for her to come that's why yeah. i suspect yeah. they didn't intend for her to come back because they wouldn't have done that if they had to make it up in every episode after that but they did yeah but it's, it's a good look for her uh, the other thing i'll say about her is if she, if she was the uh if uh if she was gender reverse and it was the the guy thing like whenever whenever there's a super assassin who it turns out is it is treated as a disposable tool of the puppet masters that male assassin uh comes back and uh you know and gets revenge on the puppet masters and so far that hasn't happened with her like a, a jason Bourne style thing like this. right she's a trained assassin she thinks she's doing a job uh, but what it turns out is like you're just a tool, and when you cease to be useful, we will have you killed. Uh, and you know, and she survives it because she's a super assassin, right? Uh, but instead of seeking retribution, she's like, I, I still just want the money. Like, if I, if I kill the people, <laughs> right. you pay me the money, right? Like, she's that's all she wants. Super uh-huh. pragmatic. Yeah, yeah, like she's not. She's not like now. I must avenge you and take down this whole organization. She's like, no, I just want to get paid. Well, I mean, there is there is an element of personal that, that comes in towards the end of the season too. But like, and th- and that is interesting because as we're saying, like, where where does that character then go? Uh, is that a change in direction for them? Uh, or are they, you know, was that a one-off? I also like the fact that she is hard to kill, not because she's a superhero, but because she plans ahead. Like, she, yes. she, mm-hmm. she know, like she senses, just like the audience, when it may be likely that she's going to be killed, and she's ready for it. Yeah, the, the mold of male action heroes that she's a divergence from, they they have this, I mean, at the point that it's been parodied so many times, I can't count now, where they are unkillable, they have this amazing ability to dodge bullets, they, they only barely ever get hurt or grazed or something like that, and she really takes a gigantic amount of punishment and keeps going, um, and she does feel killable, she does feel like she could be that character that dies in a few episodes, maybe she dies a few episodes into season two, I don't know um but they they managed to iterate on on um you know action anti-hero tropes in a way that doesn't feel like they're they're doing it specifically to diverge from them uh, but instead they they just have a a another real piece on the chessboard that could be under threat at any time i also particularly like the fact that she's you know she she starts out with this job as the the super killer and then you know she sort of gets tossed away so for a while she's sort of just adrift on 
on our side. And I really enjoyed watching her experience our world through the eyes of somebody who grew up in on the other side. Yeah. And and I think that that was, to me, sort of like the emotional grounding of the show. Because, yeah, it's wonderful to see J.K. Simmons and, you know, and his wife and like the, the differences in the way that those characters interact. But I really liked seeing somebody who just had it awful on their side come over here and like open their eyes and see see what it's like over here because people like don't wear don't wear masks and touch each other and go out in public and stuff that (laughs) Mm -hmm. the other side doesn't do anymore right or when the other the school kids come over a contrast between other people seeing this world and how disgusted they are at it like it's the same it's the same (laughs) world and it is so different from what they have but one one set of kids was trained to, to think this is decadent and evil and these are the people who are responsible for all the bad things that have ever happened in your life Right. And she comes over and she's just like she's sulking and she's sad about her assassin thing going bad. But then, you know, she meets a, a cute girl at the at the coffee, at the shop, coffee shop and yeah. and starts a relationship. I, I assume she, she came from the same place and was trained in the same way, just that, that she broke out of that mold a little bit yeah. faster. Because you do get there is the one the one guy who who just wanted to see the world and he he leaves this apartment. He's yeah, not supposed right. to leave just to look mm-hmm. around. And you can see it in his eyes that he's pretty impressed by it. And when mm-hmm. he says it's disgusting, he doesn't mean yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's the, it's the again, this is the Cold War analog here, right? Which is mm-hmm. it's the Amer- but there's a whole show called The Americans that's kind of about that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, OK, I'm going to fire off the spoiler horn officially here because I want to talk about some of the twists that happen in this show. And so if you've listened this long and now you're intrigued, um, I'm going to spare you yeah. if you stop now. <laughs> we've some, only yeah. spoiled like 17. Well, we spoiled you. a few yeah. things, yeah. but I feel like yeah. the key things that happen Not late the in the season, we're going to we're going to hold those. And uh, and now we're going to talk about them. So you can this is your last chance to flee. All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Harry Lloyd's wife is revealed mm-hmm. in, I think, maybe episode six at the end as being the exact same character who is Baldwin's spy master from the shadowy organization on the other side. And man, that was a great twist. And, 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 who, and most importantly, <laughs> whose character was well established by that point as being incredibly deceptive. Yes. Like, because the whole deal with the relationship with Baldwin, you believe it, and yet, and you think, oh, she's not going to kill Baldwin. They have a relationship. No, she's totally going to kill Baldwin. She's literally told by the by the really oily just nasty uh ambassador yeah. or whatever not, he is not likable just uh, an unpleasant person who's just ooh he's so gross um that she, that she needs to use her personal leverage on Baldwin to get her to do what they want and she and and he's basically saying she's totally into you you need to take advantage of that and so she goes and they have sex and um but and you think she's not going to do it at least I did I thought she was like well she she can't yeah. bring herself to because they have a real oh, relationship I thought she was gonna do it (laughs) i'm too trusting i guess she takes her gun leaves the door unlocked and sends in the assassin to clean up the problem by killing baldwin and of course that doesn't work (laughs) because she's a super assassin it almost works though but it It almost works one of my my favorite thing is that she the only reason she survived is she's because she was good at throwing her bag you one you got one throw (laughs) at the bag you you miss with that bag you're dead i was a a really good action scene too by yep. the way that that fight is well choreographed and so that so then she's established as like as as 
as cold-hearted as just like the the worst kind of cold-hearted spy who can make you believe anything but then will kill you like the, the nothing no relationship is real which is so important later because the audience and peter are all asking and, and everyone's asking and even baldwin throws it in her face is there any part of you that's real and as a viewer i still can't tell because every time i see her on screen i'm like don't believe anything she any emotion she shows but she's just that good at her job the reveal is that that harry lloyd's character peter comes home and she's sitting on the floor holding their baby and she says oh hello you know hello darling or whatever she says and you have that moment where you're like but what huh and it's just (laughs) that's great i I saw it coming about like two or three minutes before it was there like i was putting the pieces together and even then i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god conservation of characters because they kept mentioning (laughs) like they they did lots of hints we haven't seen his wife at all yeah what about the you know because baldwin throws in her face what about this life you've made for yourself is any of that real right and and peter talks about his wife but we never see him and if you're if you're paying attention like you know the kind of like in westworld all the series if you go back and look she's standing in the same house many times right yeah you, you know you're yeah. like but it could be any house don't all houses look kind of the same it's the same it's house, a german right? so, yeah. Yeah. german yeah german german it, it, so that's great and then and then immediately the next episode is her origin story which was a mind-blowing episode and that's the school kids that you mentioned earlier where they have they have a school of kids who are their job is to learn about their others and about the history of the world on the other side so that they can be used if the opportunity arises to basically they'll send an assassin over they'll kill their other and they'll insert them in their other's lives so that they can be used as a sleeper agent which is just and the, and there's indoctrination and we see some oh, of the people who are running this project and it's all ultimately part of the alexander pope who is played by stephen ray who i was going to talk about earlier but really what can i say he's in it for a while he's great and then good howard <laughs> beats him to death in the final episode <laughs> so that's that you, know, you never ray. expect good howard <laughs> that the the, uh, <laughs> the moment uh for me in the in the claire background episode that gets me and I suspect Jason kind of knows where I'm going with this too. Is like the moment where I was like, "Oh my god, it's Mark Vorkosigan from the Vorkosigan oh, saga." Yeah, yeah that's about where it. he's basically the you know that we learn that Claire everything that happens to Claire, the original Claire on the you know Earth One or whatever you want to call it has to yeah, happen she, to she breaks her leg skiing so they break the her leg, leg. Breaking. They break why her does she have leg. to be awake because she's got to be able to trauma. remember the experience to, of uh, yeah. what it felt like to break her leg yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that strange credulity is like yeah she'll remember evil. the trauma but one, they're one they're was crazy voluntarily people john they're crazy people <laughs> raising children as sleeper agents <laughs> now, the sleeper agent thing i think that's a good plan but so <laughs> this is kind of the, the thing about oh my the, god is this john or john's counterpart the thing about the overall uh it's all dark, the, John. Um, series that that, that <laughs> kept kept me on my toes because at first I thought this doesn't make any sense, but then they kind of redeemed it at the end. Is th- like look at the time scales here. These kids are in these in the school. Like we see her when she's a little girl getting her legs broken, which I continue to say getting them broken uh, uh, intentionally by a doctor is different than a skiing accident. But anyway, uh, and she she's there for what ten years, right? At least at least ten, right? ten so fifteen this is years. A long, yeah. This is a long-term plan, and that's where, like, the whole second, last and second to last episode, I'm like, you spent, like, a decade training these kids 
So you could shoot a bunch of people briefly with machine oh, guns? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's clearly that not the plan. That can't be your plan. Okay, no, yeah, no, it's it isn't not. their plan, but what the hell is their well, plan? Well, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. so, so yeah. in the next-to-last episode, f- following the great tradition of other shows like The Wire and having kind of the big explosive moment happen in the next-to-last episode instead of the last episode, there is this plan where these three sleeper agents uh, go in with guns and start shooting up the, uh, the Office of Interchange on our side. But if you watch it, I watched that scene two or three times, if you watch it they only shoot very specific people yeah, and not, not, not other right. people <laughs> so they're, like, they're, they're they're not even they're not even killing them. and the thing is once they're in place like uh to get maximum value leave them there they're in good positions to get lots of information sure. but no yeah. we're gonna spend we're gonna spend our 10 year long long-term super duper project that we put so much into for those three people anyway right there was a whole school of kids right they, who knows yeah, where the other sleeper agents else are but yeah i know where the other kids are they're in the the basement a lot of them are dead in the basement it's true because there was... are also a bunch of people that were the same age as yeah. as, uh, as claire, claire. Yeah. so yeah. they are probably already someplace as well can, can i can i just say there's a lot about this show that is really dark including the fact that we just laughed about a bunch of children dead in the it, basement that, that is one well i mean and and of course good howard finds them because they're they're down there emily mm-hmm. and her boyfriend was the ian um ian. Yeah. Are, are are there and then of course they bring good howard because he's tagging along and he is you know he finds the the kids down in the basement and it's you know that that's what you know that that's what they did because they like they round the kids up when they know they've been burned and they need to get out of there and and you know that these are the kind of people who break somebody's leg Mm -hmm. and keep them awake so that they can feel it they're not going to take the kids on a field trip to the zoo right and and they and even the adults give each other all like they give each other the pills right like oh that's that's pretty grim but you don't know from grim because at that point they've already killed all the children all the the children except for except for our teacher who makes it get away after giving him the pills yeah Everybody but me takes the pills. You didn't see that part, the fine oh, print. And you, who just caught me, and probably, yeah, yeah like, uh, yeah, that was the plan all along. You should definitely come with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that that is a uh, they they have a bigger plan, and uh, we don't know what it is, but obviously this is this is some aspect of it. And, <laughs> and if Pope knew what it was, oh well. Because he's not talking. He's he's not. No, that that's that's one of those genuine, you know, moments of of fascination of like, oh well, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. You know, they killed a lot of people at the end of season one. They it seemed did. like people yeah. with one season yeah. contracts. Yeah, but it didn't that's, that's track with the people who are the most famous. Like Pope was not a famous actor that I'm. Oh aware no, yeah, of, that's Stephen Ray. He he is a famous. Yeah, actor. Stephen oh, yeah, Ray. Ray. He's, he's, he's among well the known. yeah the most famous people in the show. So he they couldn't keep him for more than one season. I think maybe they just signed him to a one season deal and decided they were going to kill him off and. Oh, Aldrich surprised me even more. Yeah, Aldrich surprised me. I think the headmistress of the of the evil sleeper agent society may be uh, reappearing in season two. Two, two of these. <laughs> so, uh, so Pope, uh, I, I, uh, you guys uh, who uh, you know are maybe uh, paying better attention than than I did. Is there a first Earth Pope? And the other one is that uh, Aldrich. I knew that I knew he was a goner once he knew too much. Yeah, I was like, this guy's dead. This guy's dead. There's no way he survives. Well, but once he's the last one who knows that. Right. Yeah, That's but the th- there was a clear moment where it's like, yeah, there's no way. Well, there's there's a scene. There's also a scene where the guy um, 
what is it Cyrus who who is uh, who's been kind of like oh, the muscle the whole season yeah. where he he starts to walk yeah. toward uh, Peter and Claire's house because he's gonna yep. take out Claire and I'm like oh I like that guy now he's like totally that. dead <laughs> it's like they, that's your that's your classic henchman who yeah. does everything right and knows everything and it's like guys like come on really this is the bad guy no one no oh, one really wants to listen yeah. to him yeah, write, write it down or tell tell a friend before yep. you go into the house well, <laughs> the one the one thing that I didn't quite get maybe you guys have opinions on this from the, the last episode is Aldrich basically tells them like when they go to the hospital um, and he figures, you know, um, the other Howard is going to show up there and he basically is, he's looking for Baldwin mainly, but like he's basically just like kill the other Howard too while you're at it. And I couldn't quite figure out his rationale yeah. other than it was untidy. Um, yeah. But like he didn't really seem to have, they were kind of, if not allies, at least like not enemies i think either. he feels I, I think he lost trust in him because remember they don't ever yeah. really trust him and now mm-hmm. things are spinning yeah. out of control i think they suspect that he's just part of it and better Cut to just losses. mop k- kill everybody from the other side Loose you ends. know yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so remember yeah. what uh, remember what other howard's job is he's like counterterrorism. Yeah. he's like yeah. you know he, he's exactly the type of person who you would send over there on an intentional mission to pretend oh no i'm over here to help you really but actually yeah. not right so it just yeah, yeah. Once things start going sideways, it's like, that's it. Wipe the table clean. Uh, you know, we can't trust anybody anymore. So another thing that happens in the last episode that I wanted to talk about, because I think this is this is one of the key season two ideas, and it's something that they withheld from us purposefully. There are lots of mentions of what's happening on the fourth floor. Like, we, we made, there, 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 there are people like Howard who are in interface. They go into little rooms and read codes and do stuff that who knows what that's for. It's to check the divergence or it's to check who knows what it's for again. But then there's strategy. Yeah. information in code that no one is mm-hmm. right, passing the right. code knows yeah that, that nobody knows it, but we have diplomacy we have uh strategy we have housekeeping which of course is basically killing people spycraft um and then there's the fourth floor which is management and they talk about management but we never see management and then there's a moment in the last episode where they say to peter who has who they they give lots of credit to it's a it's a beautiful moment talk about failing upward right that <laughs> that it's like you're the only one who saw this coming and warned us about it everybody else didn't you, you know we love you you're, we're going to put you in charge of finding out who the sleeper agents are oh great it's his wife and he knows and he's not <laughs> saying so that's amazing but then they're like but management's going to talk to us and he's like this is great i've always wanted to see the fourth floor and they're like uh-uh. go to this conference room and a weirdo with a box is going to come in and it's like right out of dune put headphones and a web- on and a webcam yeah and a webcam yep. a little 360 webcam and a he's fancy going, webcam. going to like tell you through like the, or maybe 12 uh, monkeys I imperial can't like more droid is going to talk in his ear it's, it's the it's parents Charlie from Brown's charlie parents. brown yeah <laughs> it's okay all right <laughs> well upstairs says you did a very very good job, Peter. Um, and and that is fascinating. Also, by the way, a great scene because in the same room in the other Earth, yes. a different collection of people is having the same meeting with a different guy, but the same hardware talking to their management or is it the same? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But this is the this is the mystery. Is like, well, who's running this office of interchange? Why don't they? Why aren't they seen? Why do they communicate in this strange way? And ultimately, both of the managements say, just leave the the one of the shooters who escaped to the border and is dying there. Just leave him there. That you know, they they come to the same 
response and tell both sides that. And so that that I think is fascinating because it le- leads us with lots of questions for season two about uh, the origin of this whole organization and who's actually running it and why it's a secret and what their goals are. And it makes you start to wonder, at least I, I started to wonder, maybe this Project Indigo, uh, Alexander Pope stuff is not an attack on yeah, they're, us. They're the good guys. It's an attack on this system that is holding the border. And maybe, yeah, maybe they aren't the bad guys after all. Even though they're yeah, also they're very bad because they killed a lot of kids. <laughs> are, are, That's are, pretty bad. Are the theory my girlfriend and I were bandying back and forth as we watched this was like, what if that, that first science experiment they created this, like, what if these are the scientists like observing like the control and the prime and the, and the experiment, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, we've diverged these two things. Let's see how it reacts. Now we can actually have an end of better than one on these things what if there was a plague <laughs> let's do that what if there, for example yeah, yeah I, I the my headcanon so far although they they did in, in season in season one in episode one they did have the exchange where howard is our you know audience proxy who learns wow there's two worlds tell me about this and he's like who knows about it presidents uh, you know whatever and peter's like peter a probably doesn't know but b wants to look like you know stuff and he's like it's complicated yes no it's just all right so what i think is uh the the divergence happened and when the divergence happens there's a small number of people who know about it and their counterparts who presumably they you know they would have met each other because they were both there right and they're identical at that point right oh right Right. they're they're identical at that point that core group is the perfect group to just sit down on that day and say here's what we're gonna do (laughs) <laughs> we are going to collectively all of us the everyone in this room both sides of the world we are going to manage this together because we are simpatico we are we are we are the same person at this point and we'll have all the structure and so on and so forth if you're going to have one group that if it's not a computer if it's not an ai or something if you're going to have one group that's the in group because they knew first well, they knew before anybody they were the same they had not diverged they could be controlling both sides what if there weren't even two of them i mean like if you were like assuming that sort of you know we've got that corridor right and the thing we were trying to figure out through that the entire season is they have a rule about only one person can go in there at a time right we don't know if that rule is customary or if there is something like physically preventing i think we learned the answer to that at the end well that's right we did they do go drag him out yeah mm-hmm. and there's a suggestion of that but like i'm wondering if like if you were at ground zero of the split what if there was only one of you because mm-hmm. you were at ground zero but there's two of everybody else yeah but 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 anyway that's definitely the in group if there's going to be mm-hmm. because at that point you can say we are in a position now to control both of these worlds to our own ends and maybe they were doing it for good reasons like this is the only way to keep the peace we have to manage this ourselves, and we have to you know establish this whole fourth floor thing and so on and so forth but the, the other thing i like about the crossing is I mean, I guess for budgetary reasons, there's no special effects. Like it's not Stargate, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so it's just it's just a hallway. There's not even a ripple, a shimmer. There's no sound effect. It's just a thing that you walk through, and and it's kind of crappy, w- right? It's it's basically like yeah, a it's like an uh, ugly basement. Yeah, yeah it's just like a, a basement, a, a, bo- yeah. a boring Stairs. trip through the subway. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, or it's like some weird tourist attraction that yeah, they never it's got fixed some, up. It's got some like Maxwell Smart ceremony involving doors and stuff. But those, my impression is that those doors have nothing to do with the crossing and no, everything cro- to do with just the crossing se- is like the underpass mm-hmm. kind of sewery kind of place, like in like in the Third Man. Third Man. Yeah. And the, and and it's 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 designed to be kind of a mirror. So the idea is you go the steps down and then the steps are going back up, and that obviously is so. It's implied that you know these are the same thing um, connected, but there's yeah, like, there's no special. 
surrounding God. No special yeah. effects at all. The thing is, the worlds aren't actually mirrors from each other. But anyway, the, the reason I like that there are no effects is because to me, it feels like, at least in my personal experience, is what it feels dreamlike. Because when I have dreams about things like this, there's no special effects in the dreams, right? It's kind of like how I, I wish time travel is more matter of fact and, you know, crossing between worlds, completely matter of fact. Like, there, it's. It's just a thing, like you just go down there and you walk, or maybe like more like a fantasy thing, although they might have some special effects too, that it seems creepier when there is nothing, where there is, you don't get a feeling, you don't see a mirror image of yourself coming in, there is no sound, there's no flash of light, there's no sparkle, there's no tingle, you just walk. No swell of music, it's, it's much, it's much stranger and weirder and, and more dangerous. Very unsettling. And it feels like it would feel in, like you would imagine in real life, a two worlds war connector at this one point, why would the connection be any different than any other thing? But it also makes me think, all right, so that's the crossing. For an actual war between the worlds here, there's only so much you can get through that get crossing through the, of points. Right, it would be very right. difficult to actually wage war uh, on any kind of footing because once someone controls that bottleneck, they would just flood out forever. But it, it is a bottleneck. So I don't think you can actually Do have... we actually know that that's the only place that they can well, cross? Or did they, or, thing. We or did they set that up specifically in order to... to to make it that way to sort of shut it down because we know that there are rooms upon rooms upon rooms where you could have people sitting across from each other talking to each other so is it possible to break the well, glass did, did in those rooms those people, all those people come through the crossing though, don't right they? well that's the implication i mean to me that was always the question of how they were smuggling people across too right because if you can only send one person at a time it's inc- it's like the most surveilled crossing yes anywhere in the world it seems easy to pay off people to get them to turn off the cameras though yeah it's it's checkpoint charlie on steroids one prince cd will get you 20 people through there i do like that they polaroid everybody when they go through presumably to figure out when they come back if they're the same same person it's not it's not a great system it's not the the best system well and we don't know if the the post office uses for fourth floor may be open open plan and by that i mean like really open plan like it just (laughs) goes between both the worlds but what i wanted to say about the um Borders, unless they're natural, unless it's like a river or something like that, borders are completely artificial, right? They are just, there's there's that town in Maine or whatever that's half in Canada and half in the U.S. And like, it's just a town. And then everything that happens is our construct that's laid upon it. And that's the truth of the crossing is the crossing is, is I mean, it's a little creepy, but it's just a, a room. Uh, but both sides have built a whole set of structures and doors yeah. with sliding doors with lights that go from red stand to green. Stand in the circle for some reason. Exactly. Does it do with anything? Well, it's, it's exactly... Moises, I think you just said Checkpoint Charlie, right? Yeah. Like, that's exactly yeah. what it's this is. It's, it's totally the Berlin Wall, you know, and all the checkpoints and everything. But right. I, I think it's interesting because we get that at the end of this season. Like, the, one of the last things that happens is our first you know original universe or whatever closes its doors yes basically cutting everything off and saying like you know we're not dealing with the other the other universe and that's like that's a big deal right because at that point that hasn't happened yet yeah but that's a diplomatic thing but it's like they they just closed the door you've got to think that that was that way they wanted that to happen they wanted the yeah, door exactly to close. that was the point yeah, right, right but, but, but actually closing the door is like from a diplomatic standpoint it's like a you know a declaration of uh, if not war then like i don't like you but practically speaking if one side decides that they're going to attack they can blow up that door and they will be fighting each other in this 20 square foot crossing sure for, until someone or bust through all of those rooms in the uh in the interface places 
Yeah, well, if, if those people don't all call him through the trunk, like it's entirely no, they don't because like, because we see we see Howard the very first episode. Oh, that's right. He go to work. He doesn't. He doesn't go through the crossing. Oh, but they're but they're coming to him. I are, think. Are like, they I think though? It, it, I don't think that's ever shown. Unclear. I think this is the question: is that maybe with the they've got the lights on those doors too? It may be that the crossing is a cross section of the building, and that those booths are also on on the border, but them, yeah. but oh, there, you can't cross there. Yeah. Or, or you're not supposed to cross. Well, right. that would explain the management thing, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we do have that one episode where you see Howard talking to Howard in the interface room. Right. And neither one of those Howards goes through the, right. the crossing right. to get there. That's a good point. Yeah. They just had to bribe people. Well, and that was sort of the, one of the theories I was wondering about when we end in the end of uh, episode nine with our, um, you know, terrorists lying on the border. I had thought maybe they would. He was. He's wearing like a bag. I was like, oh my god, is he gonna like blow up? Yeah, you know the connection. Will that mm-hmm. disrupt the connection or something? Well, well, the question is, why was he trying to go back? He wasn't. I, don't I think, think he was he trying was. to die in the middle. Yeah, I think well, that was exactly he could have. He could have died anywhere. Like these, if their job was to shoot up the office and apparently take nothing and plant no listening devices or do anything, they're just shooting up and maybe presumably to precipitate this event that will cause yeah. them to close the and, doors and, and maybe to kill some to specific yeah. people. Yeah. Right, but but the other guy just wanted to get back to his side. He just wanted to live. No, I think he wanted to die in the middle. No, I think he was supposed to go to the middle. I don't think he was supposed to die. I don't know that he expected to get shot. I think he was just supposed to sit there and wait for somebody to claim him. And that's when the diplomacy all happens. That was part of their plan, I think, was if you can if you can escape, here's what you do. You go to the middle and you sit down and you cause a diplomatic incident even worse than the one that you're going to cause by killing all of these people. And I think I think that will probably be explained next season. But that was my gut feeling, too, was that this is all part of the plan. And he, he just happened to be like dying. But that was kind of part of the plan to do that. If not, then it was just kind of poetic that that's as far as he could get and then he couldn't go any further. And it was mm-hmm. just dying on the border. Who claims this body? It's, it died on the border. I don't know. You know, uh, something we, we mentioned the Polaroids a second ago and just <laughs> to, to, to throw something in there. I feel like it, it's one of it's an example of something I, I, I when I thought about it, I really enjoyed. And I wish we'd seen a bit more of in season one where when it comes to both sides being on par with each other for their, you know, their uh, their technological detection side of things, the choice of Polaroids is probably not uh, not what uh, first Earth would like, but that's the most technologically advanced photographic technology that both mm. sides had. Right. Mm. Um, so I like I, I feel like there, there could be a, a bit more done with that. I mean, we saw it in them both having the same weird, you know, Frank Herbert's Dune style uh, um, uh, conference or, call hardware. Or when they have to change all their clothes in the first episode. Oh, yeah. When they go to the interface room. Yeah, yeah. you can't not wear your clothes to the interface room that's also a totally like he get he's got a suit on he goes no to giveaways. work takes it off puts on another suit <laughs> different then, suit um, right has, he takes off doesn't he even take off his ring i think yes. he takes off every, like it's yeah. anything identifying right like they can't give any tells yeah and he, the guy's yeah, got like, like a, got like a spot on his tie like jelly or something on his tie and right, he points right. it out and like he gets chastised by peter about yeah, that. i love it you cite that as a, a possible excuse for why you're not getting promoted and once in 30 years you told somebody had a spot in his tie <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of discipline we demand up here in strategy where where peter's wife is a spy mm-hmm. if we're gonna tr- if we're gonna promote you it would have been like five or six times in 30 years that shows initiative <laughs> i don't know i love this show i thought this show was really great because it's such a great combination of that cold war spy feel there is this question of like who's doing what and who's trying to kill who and who knows and who's been turned and all of that is in there but you've got that science fictional element that lets you have that other layer which is this question of like 
who, you know, identity and who are you and are you fundamentally the same person regardless of what happens in your life? Are you the sum of the choices you make? And then, and it all gets kind of pushed together with some really fantastic performances. Um, I wanted to mention um, Baldwin is played by Sarah, uh, Sarayoko, Sarayoko. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. She's Italian. She's never been in, as far as I can tell, an English language production before Counterpart. Um, and she's great. And J.K. Simmons is fantastic. And Olivia Williams is very good. And Harry Lloyd is doing what he does best like there's there's a bunch of uh, and uh and if uh, you're staring at harry yeah. lloyd and trying to figure out where you know him it's probably from game of thrones where he played viserys just to our audience out there because like another kind of snivelly character or possibly the bbc robin hood series where he plays oh, Will Scarlet. that see no I, I know him from the robin hood series and and the jane Eyre 2011 movie because i've not watched a single episode of game and of thrones. He, the human nature two-parter of doctor who mm-hmm. too where he was he's in manhattan he's in manhattan he's in manhattan oh my he's god in manhattan yeah mm-hmm. yes he's been in many things harry lloyd he's in wolf hall so before but yes it's all about harry lloyd here uh before we go i wanted to just quickly go around and see if you've got any uh, kind of expectations for uh, season two of Counterpart. Now's your time to uh, to say anything else you'd like to say about the show and where you might think it is going. John? Well, I was so confused by the end of season one and so surprised at, at how things went down. The obvious place that I'm hoping season two uh, goes to is to uh, explore the fourth floor right because that's that's the last episode it's like oh fourth floor we're finally going to reveal something isn't this intriguing but this is the kind of show that i can imagine putting that tease about the fourth floor at the end of season one and not really talking about it much in season two until maybe the end of season two i hope that's not the case but i could see something like that happening so i'm looking forward to more of the emily's yes. the second emily waking yeah. up and i'm looking forward to more of what we got i think this was one of the high points of, of season one when the Howards uh, come back to each other after being separated for a while and have it out with themselves, <laughs> you know, like your life sucks and I'm trying to make it better. Well, your life is stupid too. You didn't even know your wife was cheating. I didn't know. It was like, ah, that's okay. <laughs> such tension in that scene with him arguing with himself. I could uh, deal with a lot more of that as well. So I'm on these shows. I'm always very interested in the science fictional premises, but I understand that's a precious resource that you can't just spend. Right. So I don't, I, you know, they shouldn't give in to me and just explain everything about the fourth floor. I need to know now. And instead, they should just give me more scenes with uh, people and their others uh, yelling at each other. Dan, what about you? Uh, I, I come at this from someone who loves Cold War spy dramas. Mm, so I know. More, I know. more spy craft and intrigue and political wrangling. Uh, I'm all in favor of that. I was pretty sure... You know, when we got through like half the episodes and uh, Emily was still in a coma, I was like, all right, that's, that's going to be the end of season one, isn't it? It's going to be her waking up. Um, and so seeing like we know that she this is the thing. I don't think we even talked about this, but she reached out to the other Howard. And that's probably what got her hit by a car. In fact, we get that confirmed late on, like in the second to last episode or so. Um, so there's. We don't really know entirely a ton about what her agenda was or why she reached out. We know that she felt like she could trust the other Howard, but like there's more background there in terms of how she was uh, knew about stuff. So I'm kind of curious to see that like built out a little bit more. I'm also interested in the fourth floor, but I think it really depends on how like we've got two seasons yeah, how many seasons are they looking for go. more seasons because yeah john's right if they're gonna like if they're spinning this out for a couple more seasons then they need to dole that out you know a little more slowly but uh yeah i'm interested in all the the spy craft and, and more, any more jk simmons and jk simmons 
is just delightful that the man you know he after all these years of being a character actor i feel like in so many things and he's shown huge range and versatility this seems to me like a really like a nice feather in his cap for his career i think so moises what about you I would be, I mean, at the pace they're going, I'd be totally fine if this show ended at the end of the second season. I feel like they use all of the time that they are given without needlessly decompressing things. Um, and I, you know, I, I would rather they feel like they end it the right way rather than, well, we got another season. Why not? Um, but I feel like there is so much to unpack that without it necessarily having to answer every question, do every single thing. Um, if I, I trust this creative team to do what's right for the show. Uh, so I, I'm, it is rare that I find myself, um, looking at one of these 10 episode season shows and feeling as 100% secure with the way that the network and the creative team are treating things. Um, and that's that's one of the things that I, I like most about it. There are other 10 and 13 episode season shows that are really, really good, uh, uh, but that in some cases, the magicians, <coughs> Jason, um, mm. where I get concerned, where I just get concerned. Um, but the thing that I love about this show is that it's not it's not just that it is is good and crunchy. It is good and crunchy. And there is a diversity of really complex female characters uh non-white characters i love nazanin bonyadi as claire she's so good um, yeah. she's so Fantastic. good she is so good and she's not she's at first i was like oh what are they setting her up for you know typical you know scheming uh horrible harpy is that is that the archetype that we're drawing from and she isn't that at all no. and i loved getting to see all of that and i love that we we effectively got a a, a standalone time travel episode that was effectively all about her um and there, there's there's just so much there's so much that they have yet to do that you know that we've been told certain things about certain people's others and i i can't wait to cold war spy thriller style like dan um you know and i both love uh have the wool pulled over our eyes there's stuff that we've been told that isn't actually accurate there's information that we've had withheld that's going to shock and surprise us in season two um i i can't wait uh for season two i i wanted i wanted i wanted i would put off all kinds of things to watch it um and one last little thing uh, i loved uh just momentarily getting a few episodes of flula borg uh who was in pitch perfect two uh who is generally you know uh, a a hilarious uh comic relief type of guy uh i i love i love seeing uh german austrian uh you know that that uh that region of actors uh in in such uh in such representation just because you you generally will see you know one german guy or this other person and it it makes it feel like uh the kind of english language spy thriller stuff that i really like but with a bunch of actors that i haven't seen a thousand times yeah i think br- brilliantly shot uh on location in germany although uh the they did a great job hiding it but the spell was broken for me when i when i read the interview with jk simmons where he said that they offered him the job and <laughs> said they were probably going to shoot it in Prague or somewhere in Poland because it would be cheaper. And he said, guys, I'll do your show, but I'm not leaving L.A. And they're like, okay. And so all the interiors <laughs> apparently were shot in L.A. and only the exteriors. But there were a lot of exteriors in, in Germany that were shot there. But uh, the rest of the show was shot in L.A. <laughs> so I think good job. Good job, everybody. Erica, what about you? What, do you, what are your thoughts about uh, next season? Well, I 
I'm kind of surprised at what I am interested in seeing for next season. And that is because uh, the basically the standalone time travel episode that uh, Moises mentioned. I really liked the Claire stuff in that episode, but I hated watching um, Quail after he discovered what she was. And just I mean, that's the episode where it really hammers home that he is is total crap yeah. at his job. Like he's just not good at any part of it at all. <laughs> and, you know, he, he knows that he's working for like an organization <laughs> that kind of holds the world together or the worlds apart, however you want to look at it. And instead of doing the smart thing and actually like helping earth, uh, no, he just decides to get drunk and not care. And then I was just getting more and more tense. Like my, my shoulders were approaching my ears as I was watching that episode. And then we just get to the point where he's just like, finally, like, so how long have you been here? When did you get rid of her? And I was just like, what, what is wrong with you? It was so upsetting to me. And then. <laughs> What's because- that you say? All of reality <laughs> may be spinning around me. Mm, I don't care. And then because she's so good, uh, both her character and her acting that character just managed to kind of turn me around on that. Even just after seeing her, you know, strangle her other self to death, uh, she manages to convince Quail because he's such a friggin' pushover. Mm. Like, um, so she, so, so she manages to convince him that he needs to protect her and their daughter, and uh, their daughter who is named after <laughs> her love interest yeah, 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 yeah. from oh, the other man, universe. Brutal. Yeah, so rough. Um, And then so I I was kind of iffy about how I felt about that. Like, I don't know. That's dumb. When he smashes their their car, I think he's trying to commit suicide and then find out. No, no, no. She's right. He was just giving them an alibi. He is fully on board with with team family. He's just really bad at doing that, too. He can't even kill himself. Right. That could work. But I I think it was I think it was a ploy. And uh and I was, I was like, all right, that's interesting. I'll be interested to see where this goes. And then at the very end, when, um, the other Howard, who is now trapped on our side, uh, sort of basically teams up with him, sits down at the bar and says, okay, listen, Aldrich isn't going to be a problem for you, for either one of us anymore. We need to sort of stick together. I, that's what I am interested in seeing in the next season. I want to see how those three characters interact and, I'm I'm kind of like, eh, screw the rest of the world. <laughs> like yeah. I just want to watch mm-hmm. I just want to watch those folks team up and uh and try to make their lives be as as awesome as possible. And of course, uh Emily when she wakes up. I want them to be a, a fearsome foursome. All right. Um I'll point out uh Justin Marks, the creator of the show, is not somebody with a lot of credits. He wrote the screenplay for the live action Jungle Book movie. He before that did a bunch of un- uh, a bunch of stuff that didn't get produced or was uh pretty minor stuff. He did he was John, you'll be happy to know he was hired at one point to write the screenplay for the Shadow of the Colossus movie that didn't get made. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but uh I and Jungle Book, I I don't know. All I all I can tell you is this is a really good show and uh mm-hmm. he and his writing and directing team did a great job. And it seemed like also by the way that in every other episode was either written by a woman and directed by a man or written by a man and directed by a woman, which I thought was like, mm-hmm. and it's called counterpart and fascinating, just fascinating. The, the people involved in this show and all their, and one of those choices. women is Amy Berg, who is amazing. Yeah. And I love her so much. 
Yeah, so if you're if you're still here and you haven't watched Counterpart, we've given away a lot of it, but go watch it. It's really great if you can find it because it's hard to find if you're not in the US where it's on Stars and available on demand and all of those things. Anyway, uh great stuff. Uh I was so pleasantly surprised by this show. Uh ended up really loving it. It it very rapidly after a couple of weeks became the show that I had to watch every uh every week when it came on and uh I was sad when it was over, but it will be back again next year for another 10 episodes and I'm looking forward to that. And until then, I'd like to thank my guests for being here and talking about the first season of Counterpart. John Syracuse, thank you very much. I can't wait until they use that Adele song next season. <laughs> Dan Morin, thank you. Oh, I hope that I'm still here and have been replaced by my other by next time. Yeah, well, who who could tell? You'll you'll be wearing a uh, maybe I already have different colored baseball cap. Moises Chuyan, thank you. (laughs) If Alexander Pope's dog poops in the woods, uh, what happens? Uh, A bear finds it. (laughs) Somebody picks it up. (laughs) Probably. And Eric Ensign, thank you. I look forward to seeing Charlie Brown's parents revealed as management. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> they actually talk like that. You can't understand them. Yeah, that's why you need the guy with the big yeah, ears. Apparently so. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next week. This is where you put in the Adele clip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>